Hello friends, welcome to Running and Fitness with Raj. This show will bring you exciting and interesting guests and give you specific and actionable advice on your running, fitness and general health. Our guest today is the highly accomplished runner, coach and author Keith Bateman. Keith lives in the greater Sydney area in Australia and holds multiple running world records for the 55 age group. These are in 1500 meters, 1 mile, 3000 meters, 5000 meters and 10000 meters. Over the years Keith through his own experiences and through his studies and coaching has developed a strong conviction that you fundamentally improve your running timings and stay injury free through improving your running technique. He has captured these thoughts in his highly acclaimed book called Older Yet Faster, which by the way I strongly urge all of you listeners to read. It's a wonderfully written book with uh, which is superbly organized with the science behind his recommendations followed by a number of drills and exercises to improve your technique. So we are really honored to have you Keith uh, join mm-hmm. us. Thank you for taking the time to talk to us and welcome to the podcast. Well, thank you very much for inviting me. It's uh, it's a very it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you Keith. So, uh can you share with the listeners a little bit of your uh, athletic background and then how you transition now to being a author, a coach and all of that? So over to you Keith. Okay. Um yeah, I'll try to keep it brief. Um well, from about the age of 16 or 17, I was involved in downhill skiing. Um I, I know okay. I, was, I was actually living in London, but there are a lot of artificial ski slopes there and we used to race on those and travel Scotland to race. So that was from about 1972. Um in 1979 I actually moved to Scotland um and where I started uh, teaching skiing up there and eventually uh, ran a ski school and a tour operator business. Um but while I was there I was ski racing and um I wanted to start cross country ski racing. They had a series on oh. in the winter so I thought I'd like to try that. Um and in order to get fit um i decided to run in the summer i started entering some running races and um i did quite well and i i like that and then i i would say stupidly now entered a, a marathon the next year i don't recommend that you you do that uh, but that's what i did um my cross country ski racing didn't go so well i was i was overtaken by british army guys double poling up the hills with their upper body strength and anyway i gave that up but i carried on with the running so um and i did a lot of uh, mountain running in scotland and um a few track races but mostly road races um okay. in um 2000 and and when i was there i think my best 10k was about 36 minutes 36 and a half minutes was my best 10k uh, okay. when i was uh, in australia um I'm sorry in uh, in Scotland. I moved to Australia in 2000 um and one of the first things I did was ran up the street and saw some runners in in um in athletic tops. So I stopped them and asked them who they were and I joined that club and um I I ran with that club for two or three years and um battled with people and improved my times. Um through mostly through racing and not and and my own training. Um and then I think in 2003 I decided that I got as far as I could get and I needed a coach. Um so I found I found a very good coach who, and um I joined that group and um they had what were to become three Olympians in the group. Um a very good wow, okay. very good running group. 
and okay. um, I started training with them. Um, I was continually getting injuries, um, uh, pushing myself too hard, and that. And then one day in that group, uh, one of my friends who I I was usually ahead of suddenly started running ahead of me, and uh, okay. he'd been to see a biomechanic and had his uh, technique changed a bit. And um, I thought, oh, that's interesting. So I did the same thing. Um, what he was advising me to do, I, I, I don't really agree with now, but, but the change helped. Um, and it okay. really started me thinking. And um, from about 2007, um, I started to experiment changing my technique. And um, okay. that took me from about 34 minutes, eventually down to 31.50 for 10K. So, um, wow. and, and just after that, my coach, um, who said to me, look, why don't you start taking, uh, some coaching sessions and helping people? Cause I was a bit of a mentor in the group for the younger boys. Um, and okay. so I, I took some of the load off his hands cause he was too busy for, for doing personal. And that's how I started the, the, the coaching. Um, okay. and that's actually, that, that helped enormously with my own running as well, learning from that. Um, okay. And about that time, I also met Heidi, who's a podiatrist, and she's the co-author of the book. And yes. uh, we we work things together. She taught me a lot about the anatomy. Um, I taught her how to. I retaught her how to run um, okay. because she'd been injured for twenty odd years um, running the way she was taught to at podiatry school, which is really bad <laughs> so um yeah so um we redesigned her running uh, my running improved and um i was uh, because of my coaching and people were um asking me lots of questions i was writing lots of emails and i was cutting and pasting the same sort of answers and changing them uh, and i decided that then it would be a good idea to put it all down in one place which is where the book started um okay absolutely. So sorry if that okay. was Sorry if that was a bit long, but as an introduction, but uh, that's, that's the story. No, that's, uh, that's, uh, that's really important for listeners to just get a good perspective of uh, where, you are, where you are coming from. So I will dive into uh, straight away uh, your mo most important uh, recommendation, which is uh, you pretty much state unequivocally in your book uh, that in order to improve your running timings and to stay injury-free, you have to fix your technique, which in your eyes is fundamentally to avoid overstriding. Okay. Now, how did you arrive at this conclusion? Um, really comparing, looking at the runners in the, in the, the really good runners in the, uh, in, in the training group who were, you know, lapping me twice in, in the 5K um, <laughs> and, and, um, and, and changing my own technique and experimenting and, um, and discussing with Heidi as well. Um, you know, I would try things with, uh, with the clients um, and um, it just gradually became apparent over time what the, what the basic, basic problem was um, that caused all the other indicators that we see. Um, and um, I realized that people are, are watching uh, indicators and not indicators of poor technique and, and trying to fix those rather than uh, fix the, the main cause of, of all those um, things that are indicating uh, that you have poor technique. Uh, so just uh, just to explain to listeners, uh, you know, many of them would have an idea, but would, you know, would be great to hear from you. What exactly is overstriding and why is it bad when you run? 
Right. Okay. So um, overstriding is basically breaking. We define it as having too much pressure on the ground too far in front of you. Now that's a fairly okay. vague. That's a that's a deliberately a vague um, a definition. Um, okay. Because there is no uh, yes no to this. Um, however, um, so what what we do with uh, the whole plan is to um, get people to finish their landing uh, as close to being vertically aligned as possible. So that okay. means when you've finished your landing, that your your hips are almost and your shoulders are almost above your feet. You can't actually okay. land, but you can't land a foot underneath your hips if you are moving. The only time you can do that is if you're stationary. If you landed your foot yeah. underneath your hips when you were moving, you would fall over forward. So your foot does sure. have to touch the ground in front of you when you're running, but the art, and it will touch the ground further in front of you as you're going faster, as you stretch out. So that's why we haven't okay. got an exact definition. Uh, it, so it's too much pressure on the ground, pressing on the ground too far in front of the body. That's the, that's the definition. Now, what that so, so just just sorry sorry to interject, uh -huh. Keith. So yes, just no, so that everybody is clear. Uh, so that just so that everybody is clear, what you are saying is, it's it's not uh, vertically landing with your feet exactly. Sorry, well, with your feet exactly under your hips, it will be by definition when you are running a little ahead, but as close to under the hips as possible. Is that the right way that of understanding? Would, that, that's, that's correct, yes. So that when you fully landed, the force is basically down. Okay. Yep. And, and the operation of the feet isn't done by you. That's because you have passed your foot. It has been left behind. And then it springs forward because of your muscles, tendons, and ligaments. The, the leg bends, flies slightly ahead, and then with a good runner, um, the foot is actually dropping and moving backwards towards you. Because your height off the ground, it comes back towards you. So it really what we're comparing is a walking action to a flying running action. Yeah. Okay. So what we do in the book is we, we get people to, um, the idea is that you reduce your overstride, you reduce how far your foot is landing in front of you. And when you've reduced it enough, because when the foot lands in front of you, what happens is you, you break, you absorb the shock, which means you squat down slightly, and then you push up and forwards in order to replace the speed you've just lost. So what we're trying to do is to get you more to free will. So um, you have much less force uh, pushing you back. Um, as you as you land in in a near vertical position, what happens is you you instead of uh, absorbing the shock, your body becomes more spring like. And uh, they've okay. actually measured Daniel Lieber, Professor Dan Lieberman at Harvard, has actually measured fifty one percent return of energy. So of your landing force, fifty one percent of it, people have measured as springing you back off the ground. So the difference which is, is uh, which is quite a lot, which is oh, quite a yeah. lot, right? Yes, it, it, I suppose you could call it free energy. I mean, rather than actually um, landing with your foot too far in front, absorbing the shock, using energy to do that, and then using any energy again to push forward because you've lost the speed, you're actually you are losing some speed, of course, but you're using losing a minimal amount of speed, and you're getting maximum lift off the ground. 
So your stride length comes not from putting your leg out in a walking action, which is where you get the overstride from, but it comes from your flight time. And your flight comes okay. from being off the ground at speed. So um, to go faster, you have to increase your stride length, but um, not by putting your leg out in front of you and using it as a block. Um, oh, uh, is that got is it, that sort of it. clear? No, yeah. that's that's mm. very very nicely explained. Yeah, got it. So, mm. uh, you know, most people when they are running, they're just running, and you know that's your natural moment. You feel comfortable. So, how do you actually determine whether you have an overstriding issue or not? Well, I suppose the most obvious thing is speed. Um, if you are naturally getting to five minutes a kilometer or eight minutes a mile, same thing, then you're running moderately well. If you're not reaching those speeds just in your warm-up, then uh, you've got improvements to make. Um, the other signs that we're actually in, um, in the book, chapter two, just to remember, we've actually listed basically all the uh, signs of overstriding. And um, people can, if they want, can download the copy of the, the, the uh, first three chapters of the book and in there, we've got um, uh, overstriding, the injuries it causes, and how to do it correctly. So, you know, that, that would be a very interesting read. But there are things like um, shoulder rotation. If your shoulders are rotating, then the lower part of your body is rotating, which means you're not getting uh, more up. You're, you're maybe walking forwards. If, you, if, you, if you're running and you want to um, try that, just start throwing your, shoulder, your arms across your body, and you'll feel your legs twisting the same. So everything, yeah, absolutely. Is, everything is balanced. Um, the other things that, that we mean there are injuries, um, um, not, not getting a good speed, getting injured, obviously, um, finding it really hard work. Um, yeah, mostly it, it, it mostly comes out in injuries and hard work. Okay, yeah. so uh, so this is a very interesting point you are saying. So you are saying that uh, look, if you are not able to, assuming you are a otherwise you know healthy individual, if you are not able to reach a speed of five minutes uh, per kilometer uh, in your warm up itself, yeah. then there are then there are gains for you to be made, which uh, which oh, is uh, you absolutely know, which is predominantly through improving your technique because something is amiss, and which is why. Uh, you are not able to uh, reach those uh, reach those speeds, right? That's right. That's because you're braking rather than you're braking and pushing, braking and pushing, braking and pushing. And if you reduce the braking, then you get an instant speed action. Uh, but then later Got on, it. then you have to rebuild the muscles in the right places. So when you start landing near to vertically aligned, your glutes start to work, your calf muscles start to work more. Um, the whole back line of your body comes into play and you become spring-like. And the problem actually becomes slowing down. Um, you know, I was out for a run yesterday. I was trying to go easy. Okay. And I looked at my watch and I was going at 350 a K. And I thought, oh, you know, I'm just doing an easy 10K here. So I actually had to slow myself down to make sure that I, it wasn't too hard a run. Um, because I know I run well. And, and other people we run with who we've taught to run well have the same um, problem, could you say? <laughs> so yeah, okay, yeah. but that's a that's a that's a good problem to <laughs> it's have. It's a good I guess. problem to have. Yes, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So okay, and in your book, actually, you also say that uh, you know one way to determine, or probably the best way to determine overstriding, is also to take a side-on video recording when you run 
so can yes. you just explain how, how I mean, because that's something which, uh, you know, if you have a friend or a family member who can do it once or twice for you, pretty much all runners these days can do, right? And then, so, yes, uh, yes. Uh, so we'd love to hear in your words. Yeah. So just can yeah. you just explain and, that? And it doesn't need to be sophisticated. The point we're looking at is when you have fully landed, that's the thing you want to determine. When you're fully landed, um, and that's, you know, that's a little difficult to work out but precisely, but it, near enough, if, if your technique is really bad, it's easier to see. When you're fully landed, if you draw a vertical line through the middle of your foot, the middle of your support point, where is that line? Is it totally in front of your body or are you, it, does it almost go through the body? So if your Got body, it. if most of your body is behind that line, then you're sitting back. You've fully landed. You're sitting back. There's a lot of braking going on. Your body is not well aligned to take the force. So your joints are going to take a pounding. Yeah. So that, that's okay. basically it. You want to be as near as possible to that line when you've completed your landing. That's, okay. that's all you need to do. And you, need, you take it from the right angle from the side. Um, so that you can, uh, that, that's what you're trying to determine. Uh, if you take a photograph, if you take a video from the back, you, what can you tell? You know, you can't, you can't really tell much at all. People say you're, you're overpronating or whatever, but overpronation is because you're reaching forwards too much and you're supinating, that's the opposite way, and then, of course, you have to pronate the same amount. Because the further your okay. foot goes in front of you, the more it supinates, so therefore the more it pronates. So we know that if you're overpronating, as some shops will tell you, it's because you're overstriding. There's nothing more to consider. So what yep. you're saying is uh, take a side-on video and uh, use a, you know, a couple of frames where your feet is fully landed. Yes. Uh, freeze the frame, freeze the frame. Yep. Draw an imaginary line from the middle of the foot uh, yep. straight up and see where that line it's where where that line is in relation to the rest of your body yeah and that will that will just tell you whether you are overstriding or not or to yeah. what degree you are overstriding exactly yeah and okay and don't take this video from behind or in front because that doesn't look uh, give us the data we are looking for exactly right, right. yes exactly yeah okay yeah. okay fantastic okay. but just bear in mind so, you, can't, you can't possibly be exactly on that line if you get the right frame uh, you you there, you're not 100% efficient, so there is some breaking, so therefore you must be a fraction behind the line. So, so overstriding is one aspect. Are there any other techniques uh, that you recommend to improve your running, even if some of them are marginal? Um, no, because everything comes from that. If you manage the land correctly, everything else you did was correct. Okay, got it. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, so by de by by definition, it's you know the other aspects of your running technique is kind of fixed if you are if you are able to elim eliminate or really uh, become you know as close to as close to your body as possible, the legs being as close to your hips as possible when you land. Yes. Right? Yes. And and all the other things people tend to use, we take as indicators. So if somebody okay. um, is running at um, a certain pace, uh, let's say, uh, let's say they're running at five minutes a K and their cadence is 160. We know they're loping along and, and that's not right. But we're not going to say run at 180 steps a minute because they'll just do the same technique but do it faster. Yeah. 
So, okay. but that's an indicator. Okay. And if we see somebody picking their feet up or lifting their foot and placing it in front of them, as a lot of barefoot runners do, that's that that's another indicator that they'll be placing the foot in front. Or if we see the shoulders rotating, we know they're they're stepping forward and, and twisting down below, so they're twisting above um, to balance. Or if we see the head moving forwards and then back. It's moving forward, it's moving back as they push forwards, and then it's moving back, I'm sorry, it's moving forwards as they land and break, and then it's moving back as they take off. So they are, so that's another indicator. Um, you know, so all of these things are, if they don't happen, then your running is spot on. But if you, if you get that good landing, everything else is, is going to happen correctly. Um, yeah. The, the feet are going. Okay. The feet are going to rise higher as you go faster because they get the further behind. Um, the cadence is going to be natural. Um, it, it, that's one thing that people make mistake of. Um, they've measured the top runners uh, and they're running at three minutes a k or something like that, and their cadence is somewhere in the 180 range. And everybody thinks they should do the same, but in fact, if you're running at six minutes a k your cadence should probably be around about 170. It tends to click Roger, over. Okay. If you're running well, it tends to click over to 180 at about um, at about five minutes a K. Now mine goes up to about 185 usually. If I'm running badly and I'm trying to go fast, it's going to go up to 200. If I'm running really well, it'll stay at 185 till I reach 240 a K, you know? So, Understood. Okay. Are you with me? So okay. it's... it's um, you can use that as a guide, but it's not a measurement that you should uh, take action on. If that's understood, yeah. So, mm -hmm. so it's 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 more an it's more an outcome of your running technique rather than something yes. to work the other way around. You okay. put it you put it perfectly. Okay. Yes, that's right. I, I, I don't okay. remember that way of saying it. That's good. <laughs> so uh, okay. So before we get into the you know the exercises and drills at this point mm. of our discussion, just then summarize for us the fundamentals of what is a good a good running technique. Um, smooth. Um, yeah, smooth, smooth. So you're landing okay. balanced and it's smooth and you're getting a good rebound and therefore you have a good flight phase. So you're in the air. You're not running along okay. the ground. You're, it, it, some people liken it to hopping on individual feet, but it's much smoother than that. It is that action. Um, yeah, so you're, you're, you're getting a crisp landing with, a, with a, uh, not much ground time. You know, ground contact time is very low and the flight time is very high, but it looks as if you're running, it look, doesn't look as if you're going up and down, but you, in fact you are because your trajectory is long. Okay. You know, so, it, yeah, smooth, smooth, fast running, um, I would say, yeah. And, and, and um, still, okay. so the, 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 the arms are moving gracefully. You're, you're not rotating the shoulders and throwing your arms across the body, you know. Um, but on that okay. note, gotcha. everybody is asymmetrical. So don't look for perfection in a mirror image, both sides. Uh, everybody has a, or I say everybody, almost everybody has a, you know, everybody has a foot or, or a, a body that's, you know, slightly twisted or there's something wrong. One leg is long. A lot of people have one leg longer than the other. Not a problem. If you've had it from birth, not a problem if you had an accident then it could be could be a problem 
but um, you know, don't don't go for perfection and just go for feel. If it feels smooth and fast, you've got it right. Before moving on, I wanted to request uh, all the listeners to please leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or iTunes. It will only take you a couple of minutes, but it will help the show enormously and help other listeners to discover the show. So please do take a couple of moments to go and leave a rating and review on either Apple Podcasts or iTunes. If you are using another app which allows you to leave a comment or a rating or review, like for example, CastBox, please do that either. We also request you to please check out the website runfitraj.com and also if you have any comments or suggestions to please write to me directly at runningandfitnesswithraj at gmail.com. You can follow all podcast related updates on Instagram at the handle runningandfitnesswithraj or on Facebook on the Facebook group Running and Fitness with Raj. Now let's get back to the show. Uh, now let's come to the uh, part of the book where you talk about a uh, number of exercises and drills to mm-hmm. improve your running technique, fix the overstriding, etc. So before we actually get into some of those key exercises, can you just give us the philosophy or the overarching thoughts behind how you came up with those uh, uh, drills and exercises? Uh, what's, what's the background to that? Right, but they are all based on the idea that you want to finish your landing as close as possible to being vertically aligned. And at that point, you get a rebound off the ground. So what we do is we teach people from the very beginning, um, I put in a starting off routine, which gives them an artificially um, induced rebound. So they're getting used to bouncing off the ground. that's what we start with, because we're hoping they're going to carry that through to the run. Okay. Um, now, when, once you start moving forward, it does smooth out. It becomes a very smooth running action if you can keep doing it. But um, when you're stationary, because you're just going up and down, it feels like a bit of a thud as you land, which, which is unnerving for people, but it is correct. So, um, no, I've forgotten what the question was. Oh, yes. <laughs> okay. So we're, we're basically, what we're, what we're doing is we're setting people off in the right position. We're getting them used to landing vertically aligned because they're stationary and they're getting a rebound off the ground. And then once they start moving, we're getting them to try to get the same feeling under their feet so they can actually feel their whole foot landing, not part of the foot. They can, Even though the ball of the foot usually touches slightly ahead, you don't really feel it. You feel support on the whole foot. So they're getting a good supportive landing and that's their guide when they start moving that they are still landing close to vertically aligned. Okay, so we get them with a starting off routine. Um, There's a few little tricks there. Um, Well, for instance, the starting off routine, we get them bouncing up and down on both feet. Then um, Then we get them to tilt the body slightly. So it's a very marginal tilt, a degree or two. And if you tilt the body, you're off balance. So you therefore, you either fall over or you take off a little bit stronger, which is obviously what people do. So we get people to bounce and tilt. And it's a very small tilt backwards, a very small tilt forwards, very small tilt backwards, very full. And the idea of that is to stop people making a walking action, which is the only thing you can really do wrong, is if you step forwards, your foot's going to be in front of you when you land. So we get people just bouncing and tilting backwards and forwards to help... And then we get on the forwards, they're off on their run. 
So basically, if you're bouncing up and down like that, if you tilt forwards, you accelerate. If you tilt backwards, you decelerate. That, that's all there is to it. So when they're, when they're running, they're trying to get that same feeling as they're moving forwards. And then we do, we've got some other, okay. other tricks. like so, so the first thing is to get yourself started off well. If you don't start off well, you're going to find it difficult to correct it on, on, on the run. So get a good start every time. Um, and then once they're moving forwards, um, we've got a couple of little tricks. One of them is simply doing a 360-degree spin at low speed. Because if you throw okay. your leg out in front of you like an ice skater, you'll go off balance. So if you can spin alternately in each direction, it looks a bit stupid in the park, but it's a very good trick. If you can spin alternately in each direction um, and come out of it smoothly, then you know you're near vertical. So you're checking your technique from the beginning. And okay. after that start, um, the rest of the book, everything is designed to make people aware of um, going uh, offline, you know, um, starting to overstride, um, and, and methods of recognizing it and correcting it. So you've got a system for starting off, trying to keep you in the right position, a system of checking it when you first start, and then um, many methods of checking on the run. Um, and some of these methods will work when, you've, when you first start your transition, and some of them will work better later on. So you just need to, to, to try them all. Okay, so ca can you take, the, take us through some of the key ones? Obviously, we don't have time to go through no, all of those no. uh, um, exercises, but come up, some of those uh, some of those key ones uh, once yeah. you start uh, once you start the run phase yes i think um, two two people two things that people could easily try as an awareness um, thing is one is um, i think i mentioned that before when they're running along start swinging their shoulders and then stop swinging their shoulders that will make them aware of were they doing it in the first place and every time they do it they'll they'll know that's happening um, on the same vein, another good trick there, um, people who throw their leg forwards um, need to have something above to support it. They, they tend to bend the body over at the waist. They tend to bend over at the waist. Okay. okay. And those people tend to, to rotate the body as well. So it's a bend at the waist, stick the bottom out and rotate the body in, in, in time with the, with the legs, which are rotating the lower part of the body. So a good trick there is to clasp your hands behind your back for five or six landings and feel how much your shoulders are rotating. That makes you aware of that. And then, still with your hands clasped behind your back, bring your torso upright and you will notice that the rotation stops. And, that, and then you just bring your hands back up to, up to normal again. But that's a good awareness trick of, of what's happening. So that's a, that's a shoulder one. Um, Another one, um, just when you're running along, and we've got this under do it wrong to get it right in the book. Another one when you're going along, simply um, start lifting your knees up and then stop lifting your knees up. And the opposite to that is start kicking your feet up behind you and then stop kicking your feet up behind you. Just experiment because you're, if you lift your foot up behind you, you'll tilt forwards a bit and you, you might actually even start accelerating. If you drop your foot down, you're going to tilt back. So, you know, you, you, what you're trying to do is find your balance point where you're, where you're landing. And that, that could be very helpful um, uh, to listeners. It's very easy to do, and it's, a, it's very good for awareness. Um, I would say for correct 
for more more of a correction um, when you're running. And another one that's easy easy to try, however you're running, is what we've called the pendulum. And it's very very simple. Uh, when you're running along, make sure you're standing quite tall. You're not bending over at the waist at any time, really. Um, but just lean backwards, and then for three or four or five landings, and then tilt your whole body forwards. Now, don't bend at the waist, but try to tilt from the ankles, the whole body forwards. And then just feel what happens. And then do the same again, but tilt back less and lean forwards less. And each time you do it, a little bit less, a little bit less, a little bit less. And you're trying to find the point where you feel your whole foot landing. So when you tilt back, you'll feel your heels landing first. When you tilt forwards, you'll feel your forefoot landing. And you're just going backwards and forwards and backwards and forwards while you're running just small amounts, smaller and smaller amounts until you're hardly moving at all. And at that point, you should be very well balanced, uh, which means you're not overstriding, which means you're, you're getting into a, a good running position. So I, I think that's probably the easiest okay. one to try. Um, it's better done barefoot okay. because then you can feel what's happening. Um, if you've got a shoe that's got a raised heel in it, you know, like a, a drop, then that's going to ruin it, basically. Yeah, try it on, try it on grass. Barefoot on grass is ideal. Yeah. In fact, uh, the, the, the fact that you mentioned it towards the end of this uh, particular question about barefoot leads me to my next question, which is on uh, you. You do mention that uh, you are you are you are not particularly advocating you know, or suggesting everybody should run barefoot or et cetera, but you do see many advantage of doing some part of your training barefoot. So uh, can you just summarize to us uh, why do you feel that way? What are the benefits of yeah. barefoot or extending that a little further, uh, maybe even minimalist shoes? Yes. Um, well, in 2003, when I joined that group with the uh, future Olympians in, uh, who were lapping okay. me <laughs> in a 5K, um, 60 to 70 percent of them were training barefoot, which was my oh, first okay. introduction. My coach and 60 to 70 percent of the group were barefoot and they were fast and they were good runners. Uh, and so that's why I started. Um, so I, I, I got to uh, that, that. I think that's helped me a lot. Um, now, the reason for running barefoot from the book and learning, relearning technique wise is there's no interference you can feel through your feet what you're doing very precisely. So you can become a precise runner. And if you become a Got precise it. runner, you're going to become a fast runner and you're not going to get injured. Um, any shoe on the foot is going to affect, affect you. Um, if you have a shoe that's just a few millimeters thick, you can no longer feel the ground and, and, and respond to it. So you tend to hit the ground harder. Um, so, um, yeah, basically, uh, if you've got a shoe on, I recommend it probably needs to be five, five to ten millimeters of, uh, of, of some sort of cushioning in it. Um, you really what you're doing is making it feel like running barefoot on grass. And I think that's a fairly natural, um, natural feel. So if the shoe's too thin or too hard on the sole, you're going to get a hard landing. You're not going to get a the technique's not going to be as good. Um, at least not until you're going really fast and it, it doesn't seem to make so much difference. Um, so barefoot or a shoe that's mm, a bit of cushioning, five to ten millimeters, and completely flat if you can get it uh, without a drop. Um, you will find that 
once you've done a lot of barefoot running, you can't tolerate a shoe with even a millimeter drop. It just feels odd um, because you're no longer standing upright. So just to just to get this point correctly to listeners, uh, certainly there are certain advantages of barefoot running uh, that you just explained in terms of the best body feel and the best feedback that you you can you know you can assess then uh, clearly. And you know, as somebody who who, who occasionally trains barefoot, I can completely understand. I mean, it's an entirely different feel, and it's an entirely different feel in a good way. I must, uh, I must add. Yes. And then, then if you are using shoes, what you are number one saying is that try to avoid heel drop. Oh, try to go for have zero drop sort of a shoe. Yeah. Uh, number number two, try to come to somewhere between five five mm to ten mm in terms of the cushioning so. that you are looking yes. for. Yeah, yeah. And, okay. and unfortunately, okay. because... um, a lot of the minimalist shoes um, are a bit hard. The material they have on the sole is a bit hard. So it's a bit of a dilemma um, for me at the moment trying to find um, a shoe that is light um, but has got the right amount of cushioning. As I'm actually having okay. to re relearn to run in shoes because um, I'm, I'm with the greats there because Haile Gebris Selassie, a great African runner, he had to relearn how to run in shoes when he, he, he came to America. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it is different, yeah. Yeah, so yeah, some cushion. If, if it's too thin, um, then uh, you, you, you lose the feel of the landing, but you don't have the cushioning to, um, uh, to help you uh, absorb it. Uh, just a question on your thoughts on, obviously, nowadays, there are these super fast shoes coming, the carbon-plated carbon shoes, uh, some some latest, you know, forms which give, uh, which claim to, you know, return 4% energy and uh, whatnot. Uh, so two two parts uh, to this question. One is, uh, what, what, what are your thoughts on these shoes in general? And secondly, do you think these give an unfair advantage to the athletes? Uh, yes, I think it's cheating. Um, I think it's um, okay. commerce has got in there and um, got the rules changed. Uh, I think it's very unfortunate. Um, they do give an advantage. I've seen the results and uh, even poor runners are going faster. Um, everybody's going faster in them. I think, I think, the, uh, I think it's conclusive that they are um, giving an advantage um, in speed. But... Um, Heidi and I have been talking about this, and Heidi, my, the co-author, is my wife. She's the podiatrist, and she gets accused of people coming in with plantar fasciitis, um, Achilles tendonitis, um, knee problems and hip problems um, from shoes that are too spongy, the likes of, um, you know, or, the, or you, know, you know all the names of the shoes that are really spongy, um, because they're unstable. And um, we think that these, um, uh, these new shoes are going to cause um, a lot of injuries. We're, I think you're going to be seeing, um, if they're unstable. Um, and I was watching the marathons and, and, uh, in the Olympics, and you can see the heads rocking. You can see the shoulders twisting. Uh, and all these are attempts to stabilize the lower body uh, because the shoes are so thick. Um, and they're also um, seem to be splayed out quite wide, um, and that will cause um, the uh, that will cause a lot more uh, sudden um, pronation, supination and pronation. And imagine if you if you put something underneath your feet, you're higher off the ground, and there's nothing more stable than the yeah. ground. You're higher off the ground, you're unstable. So your whole body has to adjust to that. 
And with them being softer, um, it means they have to be landed a bit further in front of you in order to have time to compress. So, yeah, understood. Yeah. So, we think there are going to be stability injuries. Um, you're going to see a lot more tape on the legs um, down the ITB the, above the knee there, and, and maybe even on the lower leg as well. Um, and we also think, um, based on what Heidi sees um, from spongy shoes, we think in the long term there's going to be arthritic changes in the feet and the knees and the hips um, from people wearing okay. this sort of shoe for, for a long time. And in the shorter term, um, we think it's going to be injuries uh, more to the Achilles tendons because the shoe rocks from side to side when you land. You've got, you've got maybe up to two meters of body above it. And the Achilles tendon is the, is the point where the torque is. You know, the whole body is moving and the Achilles tendon is trying to stop the whole body moving. That's going to cause strain. Now, it might not happen straight away, but if you train in those long enough, we, we're going to get... We think we're going to get Achilles tendon, knee, and um, other foot, and um, possibly later on hip problems from people wearing those shoes. Now, I would say, and, and just working out, they, I think they do give four or five percent. And just something I worked out earlier: if somebody has a four-hour marathon time and they wear those shoes and they get five percent, that's going to take them down to three forty-eight. That's still not a yep. great time. If you if you if you improve your technique, I mean, most ladies should be able to get three thirty, and most men should be able to get three. So you'll get a much bigger okay. improvement um, if you if you improve your technique. Um, then, so I would say those shoes, if you're going to wear them, make sure you're running really well first, um, and then and and don't use them too much. Um, that would be my my thoughts on it. Um, so only time will tell. You know, in a let's let's see what happens over the over the coming years. But my predict our prediction is that there are going to be Achilles tendon problems, knee problems, foot problems, and possibly even stress fracture problems in the um, uh, above the knee, because you, if you notice, a lot of people have to squat a lot more in those because they're softer. Their hips are further back, uh, and the the torso is more um, bent forwards. So uh, anyway, we'll, we'll okay. wait and see. But I'm not, I'm not impressed. Um, they certainly do improve your speed. Um, but I, I've run against people. I, would, I did a, a 3K the other week. I was running at 3.30 a K. Guy next to me was running 3.30 a K. We were sharing laps. He was 27. I'm 66. Uh, my, heart rate, uh, okay. was, my heart rate was 140. Uh, his was 170. So barefoot with good technique, um, far outweighed um, those uh, spongy shoes with not such good technique. Um, that's only one example, but um, uh, just to uh, move uh, this thing move forward further, uh, in terms of uh, you know where to. Where are where are your goals? Uh, what are your next uh, next goals? You obviously hold a number of world records. Uh, tell us about your plans. Any new books uh, in the pipeline? Anything else you want uh, to add in terms of your plans? Um, well, we think we've um, we've finished with the book. We've had seven years of refinement, and uh, we've just actually um, slipped in a few little uh, changes. Um, we've learned so much from our Facebook group over the last six years or so from the readers uh, putting comments in and us looking at the book and saying, oh, we didn't mean to say that, or 
uh, we could refine that. So we've refined it and we think we've now completed it. It's finished. Um, the reason we refined it was we are now looking at French and Spanish uh, language editions. Um, but the, okay. book, the book itself is done. That's it. It's been a very stressful 10 years and um, we, <laughs> we think that's, that's it. Um, so I have actually now picking up my UK pension now, which is great, and running <laughs> and looking after the book and that's it and doing things like this. Um, I haven't done much racing in the last 10 years um, since my records, but I, my targets are a whole range of 65 plus age group records. Um, okay. As, as um, hopefully this coming uh, summer, out that your winter. Um, yeah. So starting off at the the shorter distances. Um, I, I actually, I would actually like to break some of the 60 records that I didn't get when I was okay. 60. But that would be that's the secondary goal. If I can get some really impressive times down there. Wonderful. And what's the best way for listeners to follow you? You meant, you did mention the Facebook group, but can you please share your social media handles, your Facebook group details, so that I, know uh, I can include yes. all of them in my show notes? Um, right. Okay. So um, I don't do much on, um, except for the Facebook group. That takes a lot of our time. You know, um, people post things up. And, we, and, and what's, the, what's it called? What's the Facebook? Um, okay. Uh, Facebook.com Facebook uh, Facebook slash groups slash older yet faster. Okay. Yep. That's older yet um, faster Facebook group. Yeah. Yep. But if they go to the website olderyetfaster.com, then basically all the links will go from from there. So that's probably the easiest. Got it. Olderyetfaster.com. Okay. So and they I'll can put, download I'll the put, first. Yeah. Yeah, they can download the first three chapters of the book there. Um, there's a link to my Strava. So I I record all my runs if anybody's interested in that. And there's a link to my Strava um, there. Um, and we also have a YouTube account, youtube.com slash older yet faster. So there's a, there's some okay. uh, videos, videos there. Um, yeah, that's about a, as much as you, I do actually have an Instagram account, but I don't really, I'm not really using it. It takes too much time. So we can ignore that one. Got it. So I will link your uh, Facebook group, website, YouTube channel, and the and the Strava link for people interested to follow you on Strava. Oh, that's good. Thank you. Uh, obviously, I will I will I will keep I will include a link of uh, of your book uh, to for listeners. Which I, as I said in the beginning, yep. it's a wonderfully written book. Uh, thanks to Keith uh, sharing a copy with me. I have read it uh, and I can personally vouch for it as well. Uh, it's it's really really interesting. Uh, the drills and the exercises are ex explained in a great amount of detail with a lot of pictures. So uh, I can tell you that, uh, you know, listeners would really benefit from him. Yeah. So thank you so much, Keith, for taking the time. It's been a wonderful discussion. It's been nice to meet uh, you. We really appreciate it. We really appreciate it. And I really hope listeners uh, uh, become interested to look up your book, your web page, your Facebook group, and uh, learn a bit more about all the things that we talked about. Well, thank you very much for inviting me. And uh, it's really nice to uh, meet you, even if it's uh, at, at a distance. Thank you very much to all the listeners. Please check out the podcast website, runfitraj.com. That is R-U-N-F-I-T-R-A-J.com. 
it has all the podcasts it has all the show notes and there is a very useful search function as well you can reach out to me on my social media handles which are running and fitness with raj on both instagram and facebook and you can also email me on running and fitness with raj at gmail.com please let me know if you have any questions or specific guests you would like to see on the show i also request you all again to please subscribe to the podcast and spread the word please also leave a review on itunes as it will help enormously to grow the show we will continue to bring you exciting and interesting guests and give specific and actionable advice stay safe stay healthy and till the next show goodbye